Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is Paul Arnold, your host, and we're going to be talking today about the NBA playoffs, when owners and fans go too far, and our favorite and our least favorite football movies. This podcast has a lot of edits to it, so please excuse that. We had a little technical difficulties, but we still had fun, and we think it's still worth the listen. So tonight joining me will be Nate Moyer from Connecticut, David Arnold from Tecumseh, Michigan, and Ernest Watts from Rockingham, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us. As much as David wants to talk about soccer, we're not going there. We're going to start with the NBA yes, and the like most recent drama happening in... Pushes Kyle Lowry. Right. And, and, and words were spoken, supposedly, and again, there was no mic nearby, but uh, Kyle Lowry said there was uh, profanity used aimed towards him. And, uh, and, of course, the NBA came down today with a ruling that he uh, is not only the franchise, the Warriors suspended him for the rest of the series. The uh, uh, NBA has come out and suspended him for all of next year. I would have thought the most appropriate move would, very similar to what we had the situation, if he used profanity, if he used racially tinged language, is they should have done like they did with the Clippers situation and forced him to sell his part of the franchise. And that may happen down the road, but I think that's the only way to get this behind it. You know, a lot of people don't remember the Ron Artest, the, the malice at the palace situation. And, and, and when you had fans fighting players on the court and you had Ron Artest ready to rip someone's head open and for an owner to act like that. And because we're just, one small move from a potential situation like that, I think guy needs to go. I think he needs to sell his investment. He'll get his money. And I don't think he needs to be associated with management. That's my, yeah, I think, well, I, I think you look at what happened, what with in Denver with the fan that got into it with Russell Westbrook and he was just an average fan and he got barred for life for the NBA. I don't know why this owner is above that because he's a billionaire. They find him $500,000, which is like what he finds in his ashtray and his car i mean and it's and then he gets you know the warriors did the right thing by saying hey look he's out for the finals while the nba investigates i get that but you know what how come he's not getting the same punishment he not only physically did it, he also said some words too so he needs to be he needs to be out if he wants to keep his minority owner ownership i really don't care but i think he needs to be away from the i think he should be barred he can still be an owner because that's his investment um but i i think he should be barred just like the rest of the fans that they get into into this. I think that he's a billionaire and he's an owner. He gets kind of like a slap on the wrist for this. I think one year off is, is nothing. I don't think that's fair. I really yeah, don't. I think it'd be smart for all parties involved to push him to sell his stake just to clean, wipe the slate. A, he needs to apologize. B, he's supposedly making a donation to Lowry's foundation. Uh, until, until we know exactly the words that were used, one of the things with the Utah fan that berated Russell Westbrook, he had a very racist Twitter account that was found very quickly. Um, that was very standard uh, MAGA-esque, just, just very, very racist towards Russell Westbrook from the playoffs the previous year. I think that was part of the reason why he got banned from life. Uh, just because the words he was using w were made public and everyone knew what he said. If this guy was using racial language, he's got to go. He's got to be barred for life. Same punishment as the Utah guy. Um, until we know that, I don't know. However, he needs to just not be on have courtside seats ever again. If he's going to stay as an owner, at the very least, he needs to be in the press box you know, or like a, a suite 
mm-hmm. those rich man suites, whatever, stay away. Be away from the players because the players are never, ever going to want to work with him, ever. Do you guys think that alcohol or drinking had a part with this? You know, you have somebody who's near the court and having a great time and he's loaded mm-hmm. and he's he says something he regrets. Is there any room for, uh, you know, one strike against you instead of three strikes, you're out? Not, Not when a physical altercation with a player. A physical altercation with a player changes the game. You know, one thing about basketball that's very different from football, very different from baseball, and uh, hockey for that matter, You are when you have a courtside seat, you are five feet away from the players and there's no barrier stopping you. In baseball, you might have a player come over to the wall where you might be able to interfere with one player every once in a while. When you're in a, on a basketball court, have courtside seats, at any moment in time, you can run onto the court and physically injure someone. I think the NBA has to, because Ernest, you're right about the run or test situation. The NBA always has to come down extremely harsh on these kinds of incidents because the thing, Drake is creating a slippery slope. And that might be another conversation where, where Drake is becoming a fan slash teammate of the Raptors right now. He's giving coaches back rubs in the middle of the game, high-fiving players kind of taking it Spike Lee to the next level. If you're going to create that kind of precedent where that's allowed, other fans are going to feel entitled to do the same. And I'm about that. And I think they might need well, to I think it's, tell people. I think it's the opposing fans. Yeah, you're you're right. talk about it's the opposing fans. I think totally. Drake doing it to his own team when he's, you know, and it's kind of a little bit more allowed. It's kind of known. I think the coach didn't have a problem with and it. And it's fun. I like it. I think it's fun. I just but worry if, that if, it gives if he altercated with other teams totally. and pushed or anything like that, like absolutely, I feel like the league would come down. I think um, you make a good point about about him, but I, I think with with the with him being a minority owner, he should know better. Of all the people in this league, he should know better. Yeah. Yes. That yes. should be held to a higher standard and there should absolutely be nothing. Now, if he fell on him and he was helping push him back up to get his balance back or something like that and didn't say anything else, you know, just that, that I don't think that's a problem. But he leaned over, what, two or three seats and pushed the guy. I mean, it was completely evident that he went way out of his far. way to push, you know, where the other guy that, that he kind of fell up against was like holding his jersey, but he was helping him prop him back up. You could tell um, in in the video that's that's out there. But yeah, as a minority owner, you should know better. So that's why I think absolutely like no one strike you get. That's your third strike. And you, this the, is the first thing that's been happening. This has been happening in the NBA. This is not the very first time it's happened. He should know better of all people. He should be done for, for life. In my opinion, you nailed it. Definitely. Ernest, what, what do you think? Ernest, you there? Okay, I'm going to mark down we're at what point we are in 1950. Recording. Yeah, and see if um, Ernest can join back with us. Uh, let's see here. He was trying to say something. Yeah, can you, y'all can't oh. hear me? Oh, no, I couldn't hear you. Now we can. So why don't okay, you pick right. up? Okay. David just threw it to you saying, you know, how do you, you know, what do you think? So sort of wrap it up and give a little comparison between Silver and what's the guy before him, the other commissioner? Stern. David Stern. Stern. Yeah. So give your final thoughts on this issue and then talk, talk about Stern and Silver or versus. you got 90 seconds, Ernest. Go for it. <laughs> David Stern often talked about his, his biggest mistake was the malice at the palace situation. And uh, I, I agree the Drake situation. I think he gets special dispensation because he travels in the same circles. People forget he has tattoos of Curry and Duran on his body. And these guys hang with the same crowd in the summer months. 
But if he was someone of another field of celebrity, a country singer, a rock singer, he wouldn't be able to get away with this. And again, David's right. This is enabling others to say, hey, well, if you do that, I can. Owners are held to a higher standard. The guy needs to go. All right. Well, NBA is interesting. We haven't even talked about how the Raptors are up two to one. So I'm going to go around the different co-hosts today and give us your latest prediction and where you think this is going. And is Durant going to come through the doors like Superman and save the day or not? We'll start with Nate. You know, <laughs> I don't really think that Durant's coming back. I think this game to game situation, he's already been ruled out for game four. Um, I, I, I really don't think he's coming back. I think maybe if it's, if it goes to a game seven, he'll do his best. He'd come off the bench kind of thing and see what they can do. But I, I don't see him coming back. I think Clay Thompson will probably be back. If it's not game four, he'll be back for game five. And I think the Warriors have shown they can win without Durant. So I, I don't really think that makes that big of a difference right now. I think, um, gosh, I really hope the Raptors can win it. I think this is game three being a victory is a victory overall for them because worst case, they're going back to Toronto 2-2. So I think they stole a game in Golden State, which was critical. And I think I think if they can play the way they played last night, if they can do that for Game Four and go back to Toronto, up to I mean three to one, that would be amazing because then you'd have a couple games to to finish it out. So I, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm going to go ahead and say Raptors. I'll say Raptors in six, um, mm. but I I mean I, I but I don't think Durant's coming back unless there's a Game Seven mm. situation. How, David, how what the about tide you? is turn, David? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. How the turntables? To quote Michael Scott. Um, I, I kind of agree with Nate. I, I do wonder if kind Kevin of? Durant, could I say kind of agree? Yes, yeah. I do. Well, let me parse this out. I do believe Kevin Durant probably tore something and they, they've known this whole entire time, but they've wanted the other team to game plan, you know, whether it was last series or this series. Uh, however, if he didn't tear anything, cause I know he's been walking around. So, so if he tore something, maybe it's not that bad. If he is able to play, this is exactly how he wants it, right? We're learning how much Golden State needs him. This might actually play out perfectly for Golden State if he comes back, proves that that they need him to win a title. Uh, you know, maybe Golden State's able to say, "Hey, you shouldn't leave. The challenge is right here because we need you to win a title." Um, maybe that falls into their hands a little bit. Uh, but without Kevin Durant, Toronto has at, at worst a 50-50, legitimate 50-50 shot, which is very cool. Uh, it's very cool to see a team play like this. You know, Pascal Siakam is better than Draymond Green. He's like a Draymond Green, but better uh, or younger, at mm. least. Maybe if Draymond Green is past his peak, Pascal Siakam is, is like a younger, just as good version of Draymond, which is very cool to see uh, coming out party. Kyle Lowry is is totally redeeming himself, his playoff reputation, uh, which was in tatters, you know, last year. Uh, so that's very cool to watch. And then Kawhi Leonard... I mean, what a year for New Balance. Can we just say that? Uh, Liverpool, <laughs> sponsored by New Balance. European oh, there's the next Liverpool drop. Kawhi Leonard, Gotta get that sponsored, Liverpool in there. sponsored by New Balance. 2019 is okay. the year of New Balance. Now we get to Ernest, because go Ernest, Ernest, you know, one of Liverpool, they say, go Reds. But back when we were younger, if you said go Reds, it meant something totally different. Even better, they say, up the Reds. Also, that's all right. Okay, back to the NBA. Uh, 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 I still think the Warriors will win. It may go seven. I think the big indicators are more or less Danny Green for the Raptors because you know where you're going to get from all the other players. You know what you're going to get, Sakakam. 
and and Gasol to a certain extent because for a long time the Warriors have been successful by going small and now Gasol has been able to overpower Boogie Cousins and you don't know what Boogie Cousins you're going to get that's going to be a factor for the Warriors they've got to get the Boogie Cousins that showed up in game two not the one in game three but I still believe if Thompson will come back and as much as we've talked about Durant is a free agent the fact that Thompson did not make the All-NBA team means that any team can offer him pretty much the same contract as the Warriors. So Thompson may be the more important free agent that we see lose, uh, leave the Warriors than Durant. That's the one they've got to worry about most. But I'm still, I'm sticking with the champs. You never, as Rudy T said, never underestimate the heart of a champion. Great Michigan grad has his jersey name in the Raptors, Chrysler uh, Arena. All right. Oh, here we go with the Michigan drop. <laughs> well, Michigan, we got both of them at the same time. We're both about ready to go to our favorite football movies, and we might be talking about Notre Dame if I know anything about Nate with favorite football movies. So, Nate, all right, we're going to give you the first shot, and because it's so predictable, your favorite football movie is. I mean, I'll give you five guesses, but you're only going to need one. Rudy, I mean, it's, Rudy, it's the movie, Rudy, 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 my favorite Rudy. movie. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you something. I played football in high school, and when I played on varsity, uh, Friday, we we had games on Friday uh, Friday nights. Well, Friday morning before school, I'd always make sure I left like a good 20 minutes before I had to leave, and I would watch the final 20 minutes of Rudy um, to kind of get me psyched up. My high school coach played on the 88 championship Notre Dame team, um, so that was kind of a cool connection there. But, yeah, Rudy, to me, it's just it's all about – you know, somebody that doesn't have the ability that worked his tail off and got a little couple luck, you know, a little bit of luck too. But, you know, he had a dream and he achieved it. And I think that's just overall, I mean, the whole you're five foot nothing, you're a hundred nothing, um, you got no athletic ability. He made it happen. So I think it's it's perseverance, it's the dream, it's everything like that. And then you top it off with my favorite college, Notre Dame. It's just it's just amazing. So I mean, honestly, when we went up to Notre Dame and visited the campus. A couple years ago, I had to do all the stops that I've seen in the movie. Um, had had to do all that. So anyway, yeah, Rudy is by far my favorite my favorite movie overall, and it's also my favorite football movie. So, not yes. that we're shocked at all in this. Group. No, I, I sort of had a inkling on that one. And so, David, we'll go to you next. Your favorite football movie? Um, I so if it counts, Forrest Gump is my favorite. What? I don't know if that counts or not. There's about uh, just five minutes su- of football in there. Yeah, I'm a sucker. If not, little the fumble ruski. Uh, just just one of the the fun, the funner, more entertaining. You know, along the lines of the Sandlot esque uh, 1990s movies that that really just captures you know, being a fun child underdog. You know, go for it, teamwork. So can you et cetera, give me famous lines from Forrest Gump? I mean, there's tons of them. Uh, uh, some of you know, life is like a box of chocolates. Uh, you Jenny, Jenny, Jenny uh, you have you my kid, and he probably course. has AIDS too. Uh, that's not yeah. a football, yeah. You got, you got to do the football portion. What are the what football? Just keep running until you run home, and he runs all the way into the end zone and through the end zone and home, and then he meets ping pong person and, and the president <laughs> of Pieces Pants. However, it's an awesome movie, and the only reason I could even. Begin to like. Did you really this. see it? I'm having my doubts. <laughs> he saw. I can't it. quote anything. I, have, well, I, I actually I have something. 
speaking of Forrest Gump, so I went to Northern Arizona University, which is in Flagstaff, Arizona. And for whatever reason, every year, um, freshmen would always want to watch Forrest Gump. And the reason being is there's a scene where they run through downtown Flagstaff. And once the freshmen learn about that, they all have to watch the movie for the one thing where he says, um, he uses the S word and says S happens. Um, that little part when that happens, uh, when he's doing the whole jog around the, the country, that scene is downtown Flagstaff. So any of you out there listening from Flagstaff, that's, that's a clip you should watch. One, I bet you guys consider, did either one of you consider Remember the Titans as your favorite movie for football? Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. And that, I that's, think that's my second favorite. Super classic. Definitely up there with the water boy. I don't know if you're going to that next. <laughs> Yeah, Waterboys, I think everybody loves to laugh at that. But remember the Titans, I think, came out um, in the 90s, and people loved it. Just it had all the right elements of it uh, in a football movie, how they had to come together regardless of their differences and overcome. And then Waterboy is just classic, funny, just right out there. So let's. It came out in 2000. Um, we as a football team in high school actually went and saw it together in a theater to kind of like, you know, get us excited and hyped up and motivated um but I, I think it's a great movie about the teams coming together um yeah I, I liked it i like the the dynamic of it and um the the period of time and how players could become friends um with a common goal like that or the coaches get along and everything like that so and how even if, after the movie those coaches still coach together um even though the other coach probably could have left the, i think it was the white coach could have left right um to go anywhere else and he decided he wanted to stay with with the other guy so I, I think it's a great movie. I, I'm not a Washington fan, but I think he did a good job in the movie. Yeah. I think uh, those movies are so much fun. And we're not talking about the NFL-type movies. We're talking about just movies where football is the star. And I'm going to give you my worst two, and then I'm going to turn over to Nate, and you can tell me your worst one. My worst movie for football is Jerry Maguire. I can't stand Jerry <laughs> Maguire. You completely... Come on, man. And then... Uh, it was a little funny when he said, show me the money. That was all right. But even worse than Jerry Maguire is Air Bud Golden Retriever. I mean, <laughs> it's a kid's movie. It's not a football movie. Come on. Air Bud Golden Retriever. Yeah, nice dog, but moving on. All right, Nate, your worst movie. I think Air Bud should have been, I think the dog should have been a referee. Oh. No. Oh. Um, I thought, yeah, what is it? The wide retriever. That's just, yeah, too much. I think my worst ones now, I never saw this one, but I, I really had no interest in seeing it was Leatherheads with the guy from the office, uh, John Jim Krasinski. from the office. Oh, and George Clooney, George Clooney. I mean, I have no interest. I love I football and I have zero interest in seeing that movie. I've heard such bad things about it. Just not the other one that was a big disappointment. I was really excited to see it, um, was drafted with Kevin Costner. Um, I just feel like the NFL came in and butchered that thing. I think they probably had a good idea for that film and the NFL kind of said, all right, here's what you have to do because there is so much that probably went on during the draft and the draft day that I, I feel like you didn't, you saw this family drama, you saw this drama with his girlfriend and you didn't get to see more of the integral parts of what the draft day is with other teams. It was four different teams that want to make a trade. I mean, it was just a real disappointment. And then you knew, you knew the NFL came into it because when they, they did the draft, the draft actual draft at the end of the movie and Roger Goodell came out and the fans cheered. You knew it was, you knew it was doctored right there. Right. 
oh, that every time he comes out, they boo. And if they would have left that in there, I would have thought that, okay, the NFL didn't mess with this. But I, I was really excited for that movie, and it was just such a disappointment. So those are my probably two, and the only one of those I've seen is, is Draft Day. So you think so Kevin Floyd. Costner does the best sports movies overall? I mean, he has some duds, but overall, do you think he does the best, except for Waterworld? I th- I think oh overall sports movies was Waterworld yeah. a sports movie? No, I'm just a joke. It was such a oh. flop. No, I, I like I think he's always done a good job. He's always in the baseball movies. Um, but I think yeah, I think he he does a good job in sports movies. Of all the actors, I think I've seen that have been to multiple ones. I think he's done a a great job. I, I'm waiting for Ernest to to chime in about his movie because I want to see if uh, Unnecessary Roughness is one of his <laughs> favorites because it's kind of a comedy too. And yeah. I think it was in that what, early 90s or late 80s that movie came out. Mm. Texas Texas State or something right. is the Armadillos. And what's it? Um, Rob Schneider's in it as the announcer. <laughs> have you seen uh, that one, David? What, what, unnecessary I, Roughness. No, I have not. I have, I have the worst football movie, maybe the worst, maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Um, I decided to watch it one time in college and I deeply regret it. It was on Netflix, straight to Netflix, called Division Three: Football's Finest, starring Andy Dick as the head football coach of a Division Three football program. What? And it is by far the worst movie I've ever seen, ever, ever, ever. Take the worst Andy Sandler movie, Adam Sandler movie you've ever seen in your life, replace Adam Sandler with Andy Dick and the rest of the cast with no one you've ever heard of slash the budget to a 10th of what every Adam Sandler movie is. And you have division three for boss finest, the worst jokes, every potty joke you can imagine in the book, every fart joke, every crude sex joke you could make like everything. So predictable, so terrible. Um, Basically, Andy Dick takes over this Division Three football program that's about to shut down. Uh, the Pulham University Blue Cox. Mm, the Blue not Cox. Good, not good. Let's it leave that movie behind. Terrible. While we're waiting terrible. for Ernest to come back, I want to give you guys football movies, and you give me a one-word describer on whether it's good or bad or funny or whatever word first comes into your head. Okay, you got this, Nate? All right, go ahead. Blindside. Um, heartfelt. All right, David, do you remember the movie Invincible with the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver? Oh, yeah, Guts. Guts. Glory. Guts yeah. and Glory. All Philadelphia. right. Philadelphia. All right, then go back to Nate. We Are Marshall. Uh, inspiring. I think it was. David, then I'll go to another one for you. How about Radio? Do you remember Radio? Uh, yeah, fun, fun movie, fun, uplifting. Yeah, it was pretty good. About a guy in South Carolina that helped the football team, and they showed him more respect over the whole thing. Cuba Gooding Jr., one of his last roles, really, before it kind of dropped off. All right, Nate, you ready? Uh, yep. North, did you, oh, any given Sunday, did you ever see that? I did. And I'm trying to think how to describe that. That's it was, Al Pacino and Cameron. I remember it. I feel, yeah, because we had uh, Jamie Foxx's uh, Willie yes. B. I, I mean, I, I think if, if I had to use a word, I'd have to use a hyphenated word, but I'd say Willie Beeman because you get that song stuck in your head. He takes <laughs> it over and he goes on there. But I remember all I remember from that movie is when the eyeball is on the field. Mm. That's like the grossest thing. I was like, oh, I just... <laughs> That's the one part of the movie, like when I know it's coming up, I just got to turn away. That's just that's too much for a 
football hoop, the eye popping out of the socket and then onto the field. Is just, <laughs> oh, we had a conversation a few weeks ago about gross injuries. Yes, uh, we did. Yeah, gross. And then what about the replacements with the, uh, yes. Keanu Reeves? That's kind of cool. A cool story about the replacement players that come from all these other side jobs and get to play for a little bit of glory because they love the game and um, all the millionaires want to go on strike. And yeah, but crossing the line is never cool. So, right. but it was kind of a funny. It was pretty clever. Yeah. It had some funny, oh. funny characters in there. So we'll end this the segment that, and then we'll get to Ernest before too long with the one last movie we sort of skipped all over. And that's Friday Night Lights. Ooh. Are we talking about the, the show or the movie? Well, it started out as a movie, and then it had a good run in TV as well. So either one, what do you think? I liked I liked both of them. Um, I, I think season two of Friday Night Lights, the TV show, is not great. You could just skip that one. Um, but I, I like that show. I like the movie, too, with, uh, was it, Billy Bob... Thornton. Thornton. It was it was kind of cool McGraw. because it's not it's not like the typical movie where your team wins in the end. Yeah. You know, they, they don't win in the end, spoiler alert. Um they lose in the championship, but it's kind of a biased championship. You can kind of tell um the situation they're given against the team. So um I, I liked it though. It was it was a good take on probably how Texas football is. I know it's yeah. pretty intense. So I think you know, America is is very much a completely different, depending on what region you are in in the country, completely different. But if you were to boil down the most like American movie that you could possibly think of, Friday Night Lights might do the best job of capturing what small town America really brings to the table. When you have high school football meaning so much to a small town, the drama involved, parental relationships with the children, uh, you know, growing up. You know, you have fathers like Tim McGraw, kind of just, and then and then how the coaches have to deal with a fragile, you know, teenager who has to live with a rough environment at home, uh, but also wants to succeed on the football field. If you boil it down, it really if if you brought a person from from Europe or from Asia and said, "Hey, this one movie does a really great job of describing small town America," I think Friday Night Lights, the movie, might really do as good of a job as any movie uh, of kind of. You know, quickly and skipping over nuance, uh, showing you what life in small town America is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's my take. The other one was Varsity Blues, right? That's about the high yes. school, Texas high school football. It was a little silly. Some Paul parts Walker. Of it with the <laughs> I don't want your life and the guy from whatever is James Vanderband or whatever his name is. Yeah. Ernest, you'll remember this movie, Everybody's All-American with Dennis Quaid and Jessica Lange. It's definitely one of my favorite movies that's not appreciated for a bo- football movie. Do you remember that one? And the fact is, Paul, Everyone's All-American is based on Charlie Chuchu Justice, who's one of the greatest football players at UNC Tar Heels. Uh, really? The, uh, yeah, Frank DeFord, who wrote that book, uh, based it on him, and he because he did not succeed as a pro and had some uh, financial setbacks after he uh, left and had a hard time from being the, the, he actually was second in the Heisman draft, uh, Heisman voting, excuse me. And that's why I picked it. Now my choices. Yes, go for it. Y'all named some very good ones. (laughs) And there's some others. Draft day. Kevin Costner actually makes an NFL draft interesting. I was surprised when I saw that movie. Blindside, of course, we, 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 hit upon and also the express the ernie davis movie it's a great movie 
Invincible, the Vince Papali movie, is it's Leatherheads, Clooney. I actually knew some guys who were extras because Leatherheads was shot at Elon College and at Memorial Stadium in Charlotte. We are Marshall, of course. Uh, the scene where he has to take the defensive back, my eyes get watery. Mm -hmm. Little Giants is a great Christian uh, inspirational movie. Stand, the Game Stands Tall, which is about Dia Petro and their longest streak high school record. Friday Night Lights. Billy Bob Thornton is the perfect football coach. Remember the Titans? We've talked about that already. Uh, and you liked the Burt Reynolds. You didn't like the uh, 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 the other version. Adam of Sandler was okay, but because I had seen the longest year of Burt Reynolds and uh, Richard was it Keiko, the guy who played Jaws in the Bond movie, right, played right, right. He was really good in that movie. Um, I mean, the I don't mind Adam Sandler, but the. Nate and um, David really like the Waterboy, and I think anytime you think of an Adam Sandler football movie, you got to go to Waterboy first. But what's your favorite, Ernest? Well, now, real quick trivia about The Longest Yard, the original version. Do you remember who played the prison chief, the instigator of the uh, the prison guards against the uh, convicts? Who's the head of the prison? I was? can't remember right now. Green Acres is the oh place. Eddie Arnold. Eddie Arnold. Was so this is that. brought to you by the old version of the. Oh TV yes. Show. The, the, now my two favorite movies. I have two favorites, so I have to pick two favorites, and uh, I'll go with the oldest one first, and that's North Dallas Forty. North Dallas Forty was based on a book by Pete Gent, who was a wide receiver with the Cowboys back in the sixties. Nick Nolte, Mac Davis. Mm -hmm. It's a great little movie. Again, you, you see cowboys in it. You could recognize because Mac Davis plays a version of Don Meredith. And the gentleman they got playing the coach, you can tell it's, it's, it's Coach Landry. And it's a nice little movie, extremely violent. And they had a lot of professional football players in it. It's well done. Another kind of version like that, and I know Oliver North is very polarizing as a filmmaker. But I love Any Given Sunday. I mean, Pacino just, just eats the scenery. He has a great little speech in it. Cameron Diaz is the owner of the team. You, you got uh, uh, Jim Brown as the assistant coach. Johnny Unitas is one of the coaches of the other team. Now, it's kind of far-fetched because you got Barry Switzer and Oliver North as TV announcers. Mm -hmm. But it's, it tends to reach what was football today. And I slide one other. Yeah, just, go ahead. Brian's song, the original version. Oh, now we Carr. are talking old. If, if folks, oh, if you're not talking. 50 or older, you're not going to recognize this movie, well, but it was a great movie in its day. Well, that was the first movie for James Caan and Billy D. Williams, mm -hmm. and before he was Landro Carlisian, so to speak. And it was just, it's just a great little movie. And like I said, even today, I mean, that little speech uh, that he does after finding out, Brian Piccolo was from Wake Forest University. And the little speech about uh, at the end when he gets the award. And again, Yale Sayers' career was only five years, but mm -hmm. just they had the NFL worked with it and it showed filming. And, and Sayers today is just an amazing athlete to watch. And uh, another little personal sideline I got to meet one of the Titans, remember the Titans. Mm -hmm. uh, the fullback was the assistant coach E.E. E. Smith. And when I was broadcasting, for Richmond Senior High School, uh, I was able to meet and talk to him about the experience and how realistic. He said, all in all, of course, movies kind of change the facts to make it fit two hours. Mm -hmm. He said it was very, very, and I thought Will Patton and Remember the Titans did an underrated Sunshine. job. No, no, no. He's, Sunshine was Ronnie Bass. 
Oh, uh, uh, that's that's the quarterback. Now, Will Patton was the assistant coach. The guy had stepped down as head coach, so Denzel. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Will Patton, who's from my home, my birthplace, Charleston, South Carolina. I just thought did an underrated job in that movie. But there, there's so many great football movies. They're, it's hard to really pick. But when we get to bad football movies. <laughs> you mean you don't want to watch Air Bud Golden Retriever with me again? I, I've got a worse one for you. This one just drives me crazy every time I see it. And now Jerry Maguire, Don Henley is actually, now Glenn Fry actually plays the owner of the team from the Eagles, so I like that. No, the worst is Varsity Blues. Mm. Oh, this is a horrendous movie. Uh, James Vanderbeek, I guess they thought it looked like Peyton Manning, is just it does not look like a quarterback. They have all the cliches. They're in the playoffs. The coach walks out on the team at halftime. There's no other coaches. Tell me a Texas football team that only has one coach, <laughs> all right? Not only that, the players when they score touchdowns do XFL type of exhortations and celebrations in the end zone. No one throws a flag. There are cheap shots everywhere. This is the most unrealistic high school football movie ever. It is horrible. It makes the football scenes in Forrest Gump look realistic. That's what I'll say. I, I hate Varsity Blues. It is the worst movie. It's every little cliche that you think of and it's it's horrible football to say the very least well let me talk about one movie i think you'll appreciate and maybe uh, nate and david if they had some time on a sunday afternoon would watch and that's wildcats wild do you remember yeah. that with goldie oh, Hawn? That's, that, that's on the negative side that's another <laughs> one i, I had just, robin williams though no no that, that brings up another horror movie the best of times oh you're right that's Russell the best of times robin williams, that's the yeah that's what robin the idea that uh, he drops the football in right. the state championship game he becomes rich and powerful and he wants to replay the game 20 years later and it's just a waste of robin williams it's a waste of kurt russell uh, uh holly palance jack palance's daughter whose only acting fame was believe it or not the tv series plays Robin Williams' wife. It is just, it is a horrible movie. <laughs> it is a waste of talent. Uh, it's, you know, we forgot about radio. Oh, and, no, we talked uh, Ed about Ed Emery, that. who we both knew, Ed Emery, a mutual, uh, mutual acquaintance of us, who was a coach of a high school team, an ECU coach, he actually knew the true radio, the uh -huh. character played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. and Ed Harris. He knew that. Last Boy Scout, that's another one where, you know, they shoot the football in the first five minutes. That's a pretty bad movie also. You forgot Tom Cruise and All the Right Moves in 1983, man. That's not a bad little movie. I mean, uh, uh, what's-his-face plays the, the coach? Oh, Mr. Incredible. Uh, Craig T. Nelson. And, you know, he, he gets mad at him because he shows him up. And at the end, because the girlfriend knows that if he gets a scholarship, he'll leave her. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets the scholarship. Spoiler alert for a 30-year-old movie. Junction Boys, which was done by ESPN, where Tom Berenger plays Bear Bryant, is a very good movie. The Replacements. Again, Gene Hackman cannot make a bad movie. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is not the best quarterback. You know, if we're going to talk about if, – if David was going to pick – Forrest Gump. I guess you had to pick four, uh, point break because in that, Keanu Reeves <laughs> plays an ex-quarterback from Ohio State named Johnny Utah. So if you're going to stretch and say that's a football movie, I got an old one for you. 
Paul, that you, you've probably never seen. Paper Lion. It, Paper Lion. Alan Alda plays George Plimpton. Oh, I used to watch that had, on TV in Michigan. They'd show it as a rerun on like Sunday afternoon or something like that. You got Joe Smith, Karis in it. You've got all the the lions in it, and and it's a, I read the book before for the movie, but it's an underrated old old football movie. And, and the program with James Kahn, which was filmed down in. Uh, down in South Carolina, Omar Epps. How that's about Johnny nice Be one. Good with Robert Downey uh, Jr.? That's <laughs> not. That's not good. That's that's not. That's good. That's I was gonna say. Now you're picking all the. How about Semi Tough with uh, Chris Christopherson uh, and Burt Reynolds? That's not bad. That's a nice little movie. I mean, it's not that much football action. In it. Uh, it's also, uh, oh, oh Lord. Uh, uh, the singer, and I can't remember his name. I'm blanking out now. Who played the uh, the other protagonist? But if you could only I'm, watch one more football movie, what would it be? It it would have to be all. Uh, it would have any given Sunday. Really? Yeah, wow. I mean, that's a, that's the great. Mo- I and mean, they just incompetent. It's realistic football action. Uh, it doesn't jump around that much. And uh, Dennis Quaid plays a Dan Marino type character who's driven by his wife to get on the field, even though one more hit would, would ruin his career. Mm-hmm. LT goes out there and knows that if he gets hit, he's going to be paralyzed, but plays for a million dollar uh, uh, bounty that he'll get if he gets so many tackles. So- Charlton Heston plays the commissioner of the <laughs> NFL. That brings up another bad <laughs> Let my bad people go. Movie. Let my people it, go. Yeah, another bad is concussion with, with Will Smith and that horrible accent. Where Luke Wilson plays Godall. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and he plays like, it's like old school is the NFL uh, commissioner. It's just a horrible, horrible movie. And, so, and Will Smith does this bad accent all the way through. So, can we say that baseball movies in general are better than football movies? Or would you not agree with that? I wouldn't agree. I mean, if you before we started looking this, and I started thinking about some of the ones I saw. I think in the last twenty years, I think football movies have caught up. Now there's some ridiculous ones, uh, such as Air Bud, but <laughs> I think all in all, uh, it's 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 not that bad. I mean, baseball is more relatable because again, we talked about it last week. People, you don't have to be physically overwhelming, but I think football movies because of the popularity of the NFL. Have and because there the, there are messages about guys who are coming back in that reception about even now the real trick is going to be next week when we try to talk hockey and there's only four hockey movies all the time <laughs> I think we might make they're, it and a, they're all little and they're all miscellaneous mighty ducks any they're sports movies besides uh, basketball football or baseball well we enjoy talking about football and I know David and Nate and Ernest all have a final take before we wrap it up for tonight. So, David, what is your final take for tonight? Uh, you know, I'm just living in the glory of seeing one of my favorite teams win a championship with Liverpool Football Club, soccer in Europe. Uh, just just kind of hoping one day that maybe, you know, one of my other favorite teams can do the same in the near future. Tigers? Whether it's, Lions? You know, Michigan, Michigan football, oh. maybe, if we're lucky. <laughs> Keep dreaming. Maybe Michigan basketball. They're a lot closer than the Detroit Tigers, I can tell you that, or the Detroit Pistons, for that matter. Uh, you know, it's just nice. It's cool to see one of my hail favorite teams win. Hail to the victors, valiant, hail, uh, hail to, to the, the, the yeah. Hero, so hail, hail to Michigan. 
Okay, sorry, uh, Homer. In, moment. in that, in that, in that light, it's fun to see one of your favorite teams win a championship because you got to enjoy it. Because if you're not from Boston, it doesn't happen every year, <laughs> twice a year, three times a year, four, four times a year. Go St. Louis Blues. Um, and ultimately, that's what I wanted to say. Boston deserves to lose and not win any more championships for a while. See, they're, they're but that's good. hard to say. That's hard to say against the Bruins, though. It's not the Bruins' fault. They're not winning the championship care. every year. They're not relevant every, they, they every won it season. five, six years ago. Screw the Bruins. Yeah, that's Screw what I mean. Boston. But they, they're not like they're not like the Patriots. They're not like the Red Sox who've won it how many See, times. See, we had this guy decade, move, so. move from Arizona two years ago, and all of a sudden he's a big boss. I just I think I think Boston Bruins get a bad rap. I think they just get the Boston fatigue, where I think it's still a great story because this is I probably their last. This is their last year. Yeah. To be relevant, uh, Chara that took a you know puck to the face that broke his jaw. Yes, I, I think he's he's probably done. But anyway, David, what I was going to say is, I think we should make a bet as to who the national championship first: Michigan Wolverines or Notre Dame? Because we're going to die before we ever pay out this bet. I'm just letting <laughs> I, you know. I don't think either one of them are ever. They just know how to choke at the end. So we should make a fun bet. We'll have to think about it. We got plenty of time. It's, it's not like they're winning the championship <laughs> next year. Um, we'll have to come up with Definitely a fun bet because we're both young enough that maybe, hopefully, we'll get to see them win a ch- one of those win a championship. After, after Alabama wins twenty five more times. Yeah. Well, once Saban leaves, I think Alabama will not be relevant anymore. I think once once Saban's gone, he'll be Dabo. Alabama will go Dabo back. Dabo Sweeney will be coming back. Well, I was going to say as much as I was kind of rooting for the Bruins, I saw a story today about. Um, how the St. Louis Blues have a golden retriever that they adopted that works in the office, and he's basically kind of a um, a mascot for the team this year. And then after this year, depending on how his demeanor is, he's going to go and help with um, – he'll either go help um, people that need assistance, assistant animals, or one thing that they said was really cool is he might go work at a um, courthouse where with kids that are put in different difficult situations on the stand, they and they're a little nervous, scared, they'll be able to have this puppy there that helps helps them do that. So I, I kind of think that's kind of a cool story that St. Louis has kind of adopted this puppy. So if you get bored, you know, you want to look online, kind of a cool story, kind of puts, kind of makes me not want to root for the um, the Blues instead. I was rooting for the Bruins, but. I think I'm going to root for the Blues. Just there for the you dunk. go, Nate. There no. you go. And it is a great story. You sent you sent us the link earlier today. I read it. Awesome story. You're totally right, Nate. Very, very, very super cool. Can you imagine the photos with a cup and the dog? They're just, yes. you know, it's going to be like the cutest thing. Instagram in worthy. Definitely. But Ernest, we need to wrap it up for tonight. And so I'm looking for your hot take as the other guys have already given their hot take. What's your hot take? What do you want to end with of the podcast tonight? I was amazed by we had one of the biggest uh, upsets in heavyweight fighting this this weight really? week. Oh yeah, well see, no one no no one uh, understands that anymore because it's we talked about it last week how it, the sport has kind of disappeared, and you had one of the biggest upsets when Andy Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua was holding three title belts. Ruiz was a 20 to one underdog and they've made some bad jokes about Andy Ruiz is the first Mexican American heavyweight champ of all time. Mm. And everyone makes fun of Andy Ruiz jr. Because they say he looks like the kid and up and he does (laughs) physically. I mean, he's 280 pounds. So he does have a eating disorder to say the least. Mm. But Joshua was looking up to some uh, fights to reunite the belt, and he was looking at some other guys. 
But Ruiz just came in. If you get a chance, folks, to watch this fight and look at it, because, uh, again, Joshua wanted to fight Tyson Fury or some of the other guys with the heavyweight championship. But Ruiz, was he was actually a, a substitute. They, they, they called him up two weeks before the fight. And the kid loves Snickers. He's, he eats five Snickers before a fight. <laughs> and he came in there, and it was an old-fashioned slug fight. And Joshua just has a glass jaw. He's a paper champ. He's never fought out of his home of England. Mm. And Ru Andy Ruiz, again, the kid out of up, all you need to do is put that Boy Scout hat on his head, is the heavyweight champ has three championship belts right now. And that's it. We, I hate that boxing has become such a, a niche sport and doesn't get the due. I, again, that falls on fighters that avoid fightings. And and the fact that we have five different belts, but folks, take a little chance, go to YouTube, look up the Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, heavyweight champion fight, and you'll find an underdog that you could root for. That's Andy Ruiz Jr. Thanks for listening to pardon the confusion. I my thanks goes to David Arnold, Nate Moyer, and Ernest Watt. You can email us at contact at great And who knows if you email me, we might even put you in a podcast to talk about your favorite sports movie. So, good night.